The FOMC minutes are out and they talk of a significant risk if inflation isn't nipped in the bud. But have things moved on since then? I mean, the latest ISM numbers show a softening of demand and a fall in prices. But is that enough to change the dial at the Fed? It seems the markets don't believe so. Australia's balance of trade is out today and the Bank of England. They seem to be hinting on going harder despite the state of the economy in the UK. But maybe there's a reason for that, which we'll explore today. It is Thursday, the 7th of July, 2022. It's the morning. Morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, in share markets this morning, a bit of a continuation of uh, yesterday, really, in that US stocks are still unsure which way to travel, although there was a flurry of activity in the hour of power at the end, just before the close, which saw them turn from red to green. So the Dow is up 0.2%, the Nasdaq up 0.3%, the S&P 500 is half a percent up. But in Europe, stocks continue to fall, another 1.6% off the DAX. The CAC Caron has lost more than 2%, 1.8% for the Euro stocks 50 and 1.2% for the FTSE 100. Bond yields are pushing higher today, so there's a switch around from yesterday, up 12 basis points for 10-year treasuries, up less in Europe, but again, a reversal on yesterday. UK 10-year gilts, for example, up four basis points uh, in the UK. The US dollar going ever higher, now over 107 on the DXY index, which is the highest for 20 years or so, I think, and oil falling again. WTI has seen a 1% fall, uh, and Brent just over $100 with a 2.3% fall this morning, which raises those circular questions that we were talking about yesterday. Is oil falling on recession fears, or does it mean uh, this fall that rates won't need to lift quite so much, so there's less risk of a recession? Answers on a postcard for that one. Uh, does NAB's Ray Attrell know? He joins us from uh, Sydney this morning. So what is the group think right now, Ray? Are we still worried about recession or are those fears easing? We're in that sort of environment where you can argue either way on some of these numbers, can't you? No, absolutely. Yep. Good morning, Phil. And uh, interesting to see that equities are, uh, you know, are doing OK, even though we've seen mm. you know, US yields ratcheting up. And we'll, we'll talk about it in a second. And the FOMC minutes have, uh, you know, have been by and large responsible for that in terms this of fall- uh, talking yeah, about but this the, fall in the- oil, though. What's driving that? Well, oil is, you know, oil historically does not do well um, on the back of the demand destruction that is uh, has mm. always been implicit in a global economic slowdown. And, you know, there is still a big question mark over, you know, even in the face of a slowdown, whether the, um, you know, the, the, the supply demand balance in the market is still so tight that we aren't going to see anything like the falls. But obviously, you know, we saw that, what, 10% fall earlier in the week and uh, oil is off another, what, $1 to $2. So that's clearly playing to the... The, you know the recession fears at least, and I think the FMC minutes are doing likewise in terms of saying that we may need to be even more restrictive than we're mm. already signalling. So I assume that means that you know, if you think about the dot plot as one expression of the uh, the collective view of the Fed of how far they think rates have got to go, and I think in the June minutes that was about three uh, three seventy five, if I remember, for uh, for the twenty twenty three peak. Um, so I, I guess that yeah, implicit in that message is that we may need to do more than that. But yeah. the result of that is that we've seen the two's tens curve formally inverting again um, yes. because we've seen the two-year yield up about five or six basis points since the minutes and tens only a couple of basis points after yields rose across the board following the uh, the better-than-expected ISM report. But to your point, I guess, this sort of circularity, and you talked about it with Sky yesterday, um, you know, the market's getting more convinced that 
the more restrictive the Fed goes, the more um, likely it is that they're going to be easing policy before the end of 2023. Isn't that going to be good news for the economy? So maybe it's not all bad news for the stock market uh, after yeah. all. So uh, everyone, something for as we keep on saying, something for everyone in all of this, isn't there? You know, it depends where you want to look. But the words, but I think generally, uh, when the the meeting minutes include the words significant risk. Uh, then that becomes a concern, doesn't that? And, so, and almost no, said, absolutely, almost certainly, fifty or seventy-five basis points at the next meeting. I mean, and that's sort of well, they've said that explicitly in the yeah. minutes that the decision would be between fifty and seventy-five. If you wind back, remember to the um, the post-June uh, meeting press conference where Jay Powell, the chair, said that uh, you know the seventy-five basis point rise that they had just enacted. Um, you know, wasn't likely to be common going forward. But, um, mm. you know, the, clearly, you know, the markets are much better priced for 75. We've seen a number of FOMC officials out publicly saying that as things stand, um, you know, 75 looks like the right call for, for July. And I think the minutes haven't done anything to dissuade the market from that view. If anything, you know, I think the opposite, really. And as you say, it's many participants regarded it as possible that an even more restrictive stance could be appropriate if elevated inflation pressures were to persist. Right. Um, and the minutes do seem to be replete with that concern that... Um, you know, inflation and inflation expectations are not going to come down as quickly as uh, perhaps their last but you mentioned formal forecasts. But you mentioned suggested. the ISM. Yeah, you mentioned the ISM. I'll let you finish the sentence. But the, you mentioned the ISM services number. And uh, I mean, surely, I mean, it was a bit higher than expected, which you might think is a good sign. But look, there was a sharp fall in the employment index into kind of contraction territory at 47.4. New orders are down from 57.6 to 55.6. Uh, and prices have fallen too, from 82.1 to 80.1. So software on jobs, less demand, lower prices. Isn't that exactly what the uh, FRMC wants to see? No, absolutely. But it's still, let's look at the absolute number. It's 55.3, isn't it, from 55.9. Actually, it's a, it's a better result than expected. And at you know, 55, yeah. it still says the absolute uh, rate, if you like, of service sector growth is still pretty healthy, albeit not quite as, uh, as as rapid as it was previously. So, um, but yeah, the employment index down at forty seven point four was interesting, and prices paid at a nine months low. And you know, the Fed's making no bones about mm. it. We need to see the labour market softening. But then, take a look at those jolts, job opening numbers for May. 11.3 million. Now that's down, but only down because there's an upward revised um, April number of 11.7 million. And uh, I think the statistic is now that there are two or 1.9 uh, job vacancies for every um, one person who is uh, unemployed looking for work. So that really tells you just how tight the labour market still is. And, and in comparison with Australia, the, um, you know, the, the, it effectively says that um, that's twice as tight as the, um, as the Australian labour market, where there's roughly uh, one vacancy per opening. 1.1, I think, was the number that uh, you were citing with Tapas uh, previously. So on that basis, you know, are we going to see effectively, you know, the game plan for the Fed is we have to see a softening economy, but that has to include a weakening labour market. And the, the brutal reality is it has to see a rising unemployment rate. And there is some acknowledgement that we will see, um, you know, the economy softening and some softening in the labour market. But, you know, it's going to have to be, unfortunately, a lot, uh, you know, a lot more significant than than, than than what we're seeing just at the moment, at well, least. There's, so, there's, uh, there's, there's a know. message for corporate, corporate America. Look, if you don't want interest rates to go up, don't keep on sticking ads in the bloody paper. Uh, trying to get people to to take jobs that you know aren't, they're not going to be able to take. You know that's. Uh, I just wonder why those numbers are so high. But anyway, hmm. uh, and anyway, uh, let's not have a big discourse on economic. <laughs> Phil, Phil Dobby, economics one 
know one because I'm not <laughs> no, quite across that, really, uh, that, you, text, that textbook no, just yet. No, it's not out yet. Don't worry about that. Uh, so uh, we had a drop in mortgage applications in the United States as well, of course, the weekly number, but they, they are a bit choppy. So probably you shouldn't get too carried away. They're 5.4% down on the week before, but hardly surprising, is it, when when interest rates are going up? And just a consequence, really, of what we've been talking about. Uh, in Europe, the uh, the ECB minutes were out. Uh, we get Europe's, uh, I, I don't think there's too much in that, but the, uh, I mean, the big concern in Europe, obviously, is energy. Uh, and uh, obviously, um, you know, what that is doing, um, I, you wonder about, you know, how much monetary policy can do, because uh, obviously the, the energy concerns are uh, impacting the euro and the war continues and it's not going to get any better. And, uh, we, you know, we know that there's threats to cuts in oil supplies. And, you know, also uh, Dmitry uh, Medvedev was today again, you know, uh, threatening nuclear war, uh, global devastation if if even uh, Russia was taken to uh, for war crimes trials. So that, that's not a happy situation there. And uh, I mean, is there much the ECB can do, I guess? Well, I mean, uh, the, the point there, I think, is that, um, you know, there's a lot priced into the money markets uh, as far as ECB tightening mm. is concerned. There's a question mark over whether they would deliver that in the face of, you know, a, 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 what will be a quite dramatic slowing in eurozone growth potentially into recession if and again as uh, you were talking yesterday if it is the case that um you know russia is going to restrict gas supplies into europe that uh, that will deal germany in for sure a recession and, and probably the rest of the eurozone and will the ecb continue to to, to be all in as the fed is, is making clear um, you know, in the face of persistently high inflation, if, if the economy is going to be in such a parlous state. So, you know, looking overnight, we've got another rise in European natural gas prices, you know, and the euro is the, it's the weakest currency in the world, isn't it? It's off, what, 0.8% mm. compared to much smaller uh, declines elsewhere, which is the reason that that, uh, that DXY index has made, a, has made another new high. And uh, apropos your intro, uh, I'm scrambling to see when we were last at, uh, at 107. And I think the answer is, um, he says, conjuring up his chart is, is 2002. I think oh, the right, end of okay. 2002. It was last higher. So, so you're right. It's effectively it is. A, it's a 20 year mm. high here. And um, you know, and while this pressure exists on, on the euro because of these concerns about uh, you know whether the gas taps are going to be um, are going to be closed for maintenance for much longer than the July 21st scheduled shutdown, I think yeah. it's, it's going to keep. Um, you know, all things Euro are uh, very, very depressed for the time being with the potential for uh, for a still deep, deeper uh, decline in the Euro. And that can only mean that the US dollar will be uh, will be higher. Yeah. Still shopping in Europe, though. Retail sales still up a little less than expected, just up 0.2% in May. They are, uh, I don't know, perhaps because it's actually non-food items. It's it's other stuff and it's not oil. So maybe they're out buying jumpers to get ready for winter. Maybe that's what's driving that. So what about the uh, the Bank of England? Uh, are they going to go harder despite all the economic uncertainty that they're seeing? We had John Cunliffe from the Bank of England on the BBC saying that they're going to do whatever is necessary to ensure inflation doesn't persist. You know, central banks, of course, have been saying this all along. Uh, we will act and we will act forcefully, he said. So more fighting words. Uh, so, I mean, is the expectation that they are going to raise the stakes at all in the UK or is everyone looking and thinking, well, the, the economy is getting so depressed? Because there is a situation now. Now Rishi Sunak has gone as treasurer. There's some talk about whether the government is actually going to introduce more tax cuts, perhaps uh, cut fuel excise, uh, you know, as a, a way of trying to tame inflation, which, uh, you know, has been done a little bit in, in Europe uh, and uh, presumably, you know, give people a bit more to, to spend, which is not what the bank wants to see, of course. But I mean, how does that change the scenario? 
Well, it, it does. It potentially, it does change them because um, you know. We, we, Let's not go into it in great detail here, but I'm assuming Boris Johnson is not going to be the Prime Minister of uh, Britain by the weekend. Mm. Um, but, the, you know, the suggestion is that, we're, you know, we are you know, moving rapidly into a situation where potentially we're going to have easier fiscal policy through tax cuts or whatever. Um, and the risk is that we're going to have tighter monetary policy, yeah. perhaps partly because of that. Um, mm. But the Bank of England rhetoric, as you say, is, uh, is certainly not, um, you know, it's not doing anything to cause the market to scale back its expectations, um, you know, for, for further additional rate rises and the potential for a 50 basis point move at the next meeting. Mm. So as well as, um, you know, as John Cuncliffe, you've mentioned, we had the chief economist Hugh Pillout saying he was willing to adopt a faster pace of tightening in August, uh, albeit data dependent. So um, so at the moment, I think those the, the combination of those things is um, is meaning that sterling is, uh, you know, is, is holding in there. It's only down, what, 0.1%, I think, in the last 24 hours versus 0.8% for the euro. And I think yeah. that's the, so you've got some specifics on the euro side weakening it, and you've got some some supportive, potentially supportive influences um, on the other side helping sterling. Now, Australia's trade balance today, uh, I'm sure, you know, it's going to be the envy of many because obviously it's going to be a surplus. Commodities obviously have got a lot to do with that. So, no, absolutely. We think that uh, coal prices and LNG price effects are going to lead to a bigger uh, trade surplus than the, the one we had. I think we're just over 11 billion. The market's looking for a uh, so eleven and a half is our forecast. Ten point five was the was the April result at least, and also to see whether you know the service sector is improving. Obviously, with the borders opening, are we seeing you know the tourism uh, a return of tourism? So I think mm. that will be a, a particular point of interest. Well, in those numbers. Uh, yeah, the the numbers of people coming in and going out. We had six hundred and fifty one thousand in May, according to the uh, the tourism stat. Six hundred and fifty one thousand who were uh, coming in versus six hundred and sixty four thousand who were going out. So of course, those who come in have got to go out as well. But on top of that, we've obviously got some Aussies who are going out uh, so we're spending money overseas so the question is are those people who are coming in spending more than those people who uh, were staying would have spent and the answer to that is probably yes but not an overwhelming set of numbers is it really but, uh, no absolutely no it's overs and unders for sure basically so it uh, you know it may be that we're surprised and it is that you know it's just a bigger outflow than the inflow as you say that uh how many of those coming in are queuing up outside Louis Vuitton to get a new handbag? Let's uh, let's see how that plays out today, at least anyway. But, uh, think but I think the key stat, um, you know, just looking forward, I think it is in the US, we're going to get what I would describe as the new glamour stat, which is weekly jobless claims. All right. That is going to be one of the key sort of short-term leading indicators of whether or not we are going to see a decisive turn in the labour market anytime soon. So, um Watch out for that one tonight. Even more than non-farm payrolls. So it's giving us sort of like a month's advance on non-farm payrolls is what you're saying. Absolutely. So it's the new Glamour stat. Okay, we'll look out for that. Good to talk, uh, Ray. Uh, we'll catch you again soon. Thanks for coming on. Cheers, Phil. And that was Ray Atchwell getting back on again next week. But I am back tomorrow morning with the final one of the week. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Uh, have a terrific Thursday. Join you on Friday morning. Thanks for listening. <laughs>